21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. All right, let's talk about Media Roundtable. So this is a real passion for me. I, um, you know, I, I have an ad agency and Oxford Road, we specialize in audio. The bulk of that is podcast. And the interesting thing about the podcast universe is it's people talking. It's a lot of opinions. And the, the media is the message. The media is the message. So unlike most channels where you, you buy an ad on television, you buy an ad on a website, you put a unit somewhere. But the unit and the creative is a standalone unit. What's different in the podcast ecosystem and has been a thing in talk radio in the 10 years before I launched the agency is that the media asset you are buying is a human being making a recommendation to an audience. And it is the fact that you are using a human being and not just coming in as a stranger going, let me tell you about ABC widget company. You're coming in and, and, and you're saying, hey, I'm Martin, you know me. Let me tell you about something I use every day that I love and I want to recommend this to you. That is an entirely different way to do advertising. But the, the power in it is also its greatest liability because if something goes sideways with you, now that reflects on the brand in a very different way. We're seeing an increase in accountability for advertisers in where they spend their money what their supply chains look like, but also what their promotional channels look like and who they do business with. It is heightened even further when you have a spokesperson. And, you know, look, Nike, big brands, they may hire a, a, a well-known celebrity to be their spokesperson, but you can be a relatively small player in a category and you can have 50 different spokespersons all reading for you on their different shows. Now, you're responsible to some people for the behavior, for the reputation, for the things that are said about 50 different individuals, even if you're spending $250 for an ad once a month. So the accountability is increasing. We're seeing a shift in business today towards stakeholder capitalism. If you follow what the business roundtable has done, they came out a couple of years ago. They said, look, you know, 181 of the top corporations at least in America, um, they all signed a pledge. They basically said like, look, we've been, we're going to change the purpose of why we exist. It used to be about serving the needs of shareholders. That was our primary KPI. They said, we're going to mix that up. We're going to actually make this about stakeholders. And what is a stakeholder? Yeah, a shareholder is a stakeholder, but your employees are stakeholders, your customers are stakeholders, your suppliers are stakeholders, your community are stakeholders, and we need to make them happy too. That's a lot of masters to serve. And so what that means is they are prioritizing social good. They are trying to do well by doing good. That's where you have things like B corporations. The world is shifting. It is much less about Businesses being expected to stay in their lane, put a good product or service out into the marketplace and make healthy profits to satisfy their, their shareholders. Now it's like you got to be a, a force for good in the world or perceived as a force for good in the world. And I think that's radically shifting the way that companies are doing business, the decisions that they're making, and certainly the way that they're marketing, where what they pay for is increasingly important. So now put yourself in my shoes. I got an ad agency that's running on a thousand different podcasts all the time. 
on behalf of, you know, 30 some different brands. And they could get hit at any minute on Twitter and be called out. Why are you supporting this person that made this statement? Sometimes employees are concerned. Sometimes you have people going to HR because of where the company that they work for advertises. Sometimes there's a third party like a Media Matters or a Sleeping Giants who exist solely to torment the sponsors of media that they disagree with. And so they'll take a line and you don't know if it's fair or it's being taken totally out of context. And everybody puts a gun to their head and says, you need to cancel this relationship. You need to disavow it. They get an email that says, we're going to publish an article tomorrow that has your business on it that says, you support this person and everything that we are saying about them, we're going to assign to you. You're responsible for that. So we said, you know, this is getting this is getting very difficult. And you've got the podcast world, which, as you know, is growing like crazy. It's going to be a billion dollar industry in the U.S. this year. So they say. And so how do you deal with a channel whose strength comes from the fact that you have all of these surrogates doing your messaging, all of these, all of these ambassadors spread out for every transaction you do is a person's name that you are sponsoring and you're accountable for everything that they say or think or have done in their past or post on social media 20 years ago, well, 10 years ago. Okay. There is a new level of accountability. And so we needed an answer to this. Our clients needed an answer to this. They needed a way that they could advertise effectively, but not feel like they are going into the lion's den every time they placed an ad buy because they need to be a part of the channel, but they also need brand safety. If you're an advertiser, you want to acquire new customers. You want to nurture the relationships with the customers that you have. But what happens when your ad is placed somewhere that is adjacent to a story? Nobody wants their ad running next to the plane crash, particularly not an airline, right? But but that's a, that's an extreme version on the spectrum. But it could go all the way to... We've got an audience who has very progressive values. Now, one of the, the ironic things about this, look, I worked in talk radio for 10 years before starting Oxford Road in 2013. I was in the, the talk radio endorsement business. That's what we did. It was the most effective impression you could get, but it's also one of the most dangerous things you do. So when agencies would place buys on local radio stations, they had a do not buy list because big brands didn't want to expose themselves to the potential for controversy. There's a lot of advertisers that would never touch Howard Stern. There's a lot of advertisers that would never touch Rush Limbaugh. And we saw things pop up, you know, maybe once or twice a year, you might see some, some dust ups. Mm. Well, now they're happening every day. I mean, literally I've had three incidents that I've either, either people that we work with or people that we, um, that we are involved with directly on a campaign where there was an issue of controversy three times in three weeks. I saw this happen. Really? What kind yeah. of controversy? Well, <clears throat> so here's one thing I don't do. I don't name names. I, okay. uh, and, and a big part of what you're going to learn examples. about me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, there's one network where their hiring and firing policy um, is being contested in court. 
And there are a lot of implications about how they do business that are going to be in direct conflict with the stated values of the types of brands that sponsor podcasts. Podcasts are very progressive generally. Uh, they have been historically. The things that often work the best for a performance marketer, oftentimes they're on the right. So AM radio, like you turn on, historically, you turn on FM radio, you hear fun stuff, you hear pop, you hear Ryan Seacrest, very brand safe. If you're a local business and you're trying to measure how many customers you get from that ad buy, not the best place for you. You go to the AM dial. You go to the AM dial for your whole life. It's been 1-800 numbers, vanity numbers, vanity URLs, promo codes. It's all direct response. Why? Because the brands generally don't touch it. They want brand safety. They want to know that nobody's going to ask them, why did you put my brand on that show? And why am I hearing about this? They want to avoid problems, you know, and you've got, you've got people oftentimes at the top of organizations who have a set of values that is that, that inform the reason that they exist and why they started the company and how they do business. And then you have a, a lot of people in the middle that, um, or, or that are more junior in a company that join because they believe in those values. But you also get a lot of people that just want job safety, job security, and mm -hmm. they don't want to have to spend their time. They got enough problems to solve in a day. They don't want to have to meet with their board or their executives to explain why you expose their brand to this thing that's making yep. them look terrible, right? Yep. Yep. They're patrons, right? And so if the artist you're patronizing is doing something that makes you look bad, it's a problem. So brand safety is a big deal. And as we established with this shift towards stakeholder capitalism, it's, a, it, it, it's, it's reached a boiling point. It's never been like this. When, when media fragmentation happened through digital distribution. You know, I, when, when I went to work for a radio station, there were, you know, 20 stations that mattered in one market. And you were only going to get to align yourself with what was on there if you were going to be in the channel. Now there are 2 million podcasts on the iTunes uh, charts uh, in the iTunes library. There are hundreds of thousands on Spotify. And we're just talking about one media. We're not talking about YouTube. We're not talking about blogs. We're not talking about newsletters. I mean, the fragmentation has changed the rules entirely. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik. Let me get this back on track. So, so I'm in a business where I'm responsible for bringing advertisers to channels that they've never been to before. And, you know, the way you can recognize a pioneer is they're the one with the most arrows in their back, right? So as you're doing that, you start finding out, ooh, I aligned with this. That didn't work out so well. Ooh, I aligned with that. That didn't work out so well. And a lot of times the business hires you uh, or they place a buy because they believe that's where they're going to get the most customer activations. But the things that get the most customer activations as I've learned over time, are oftentimes the most polarizing personalities. And sometimes they're playing things up a little bit. Sometimes they're trying to whip people into a frenzy. Sometimes they're trafficking in outrage. And so when COVID hit, businesses were a little bit paralyzed in my experience. They just didn't know what to do, especially on the advertising front. Anything that they said publicly 
was going to have all of the the news and fear in the background about so much uncertainty and that was not a good climate for them. So so one of the things we did to try to be proactive in the marketplace was we launched a podcast uh, we call it Media's New Deal because the marketplace was changing, consumer habits were changing, the way they were engaging with media was changing, and we wanted to talk to some industry experts and give advice about how you can best pivot and leverage your position and the changes in the marketplace to be favorable for your brand. Well, a couple months after we started doing that, um, we started seeing that the country this was like the first major national crisis we ran into where instead of the country coming together, the country split apart. And it has continued to, to move that way. Every issue that comes up where you would think I had hoped, I'll just use myself. I hoped when COVID hit that the country would come together and say, there's a problem. We need to, we need to all help each other get through this. That's not what happened. You had people fighting about masks. You had them, lining up in a red line and a blue line and completely um, polarized. And, and rather than focusing on how do we work collectively to solve the problem, it was, we're going to point fingers and throw stones at the other guy and talk about how we're right and they're wrong. And it just got worse and worse and worse. So we knew that we were going into one of the most contentious elections, at least of my lifetime, Right. And so we, we pivoted and, and we really went on a journey to try and talk to people about how did we get so polarized as a nation and what part did media have to play in that? And I tried to go in, you know, I think in my career, historically, I've kind of taken the approach that like, look, you've got a job to do as a brand. You should advertise where you're going to get the most customers for the lowest spend, because that's very important to a lot of the businesses that we work with. But you can't scale that in 2020. You can't scale that in 2021. Mm. The world is changing. Whether or not you believe that's how things should be, that's not how they are. And we need to adapt to the realities of the marketplace. And the realities of the marketplace are there's a lot more accountability now. Brand safety is a lot harder to achieve. People are holding companies to a higher standard. And I also started to get a different sense of media's impact on polarization. And the fact that I, I think there's a lot of exploitation that's going on. I think a lot of people watch The Social Dilemma. I think that was eye-opening for me. I think there were a number of things like that in the conversations that we had on the podcast. We called it the divided states of media. Mm -hmm. And we talked to people like former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. We talked to Bob Garfield from On the Media. We talked to people on both sides of the aisle and we talk to people in media and in politics and people that are really doing things like the National Institute for Civil Discourse, trying to bring people together. And we try to understand how can we be a force for good in this? Because I don't want to traffic in, in division. I don't want to feel like I've got blood on my hands and the people that believe in my company, I want them to believe in what we're doing. So I, I wanted to just have an open perspective. And I wanted to, to really hear what the arguments are from either side. And, you know, there's a lot of people in America who believe that it's us versus them, who believe that we're the good guys, the other guys are the bad guys. And if we don't defeat them, they're going to defeat us. And in media, that's a great business model, or at yeah, least sure. it has been. It has Unfortunately. been. And I, 
Yeah. And look, and it's, it gets messy because I've worked inside of that system for a long time. Like I said, I worked yep. in talk radio, right? And I like opinions. I'm an opinionated person. I've always been an opinionated person and I respect people's opinions. I think they're interesting, but I, I just, um, I think I started to have a, a bit of a revelation that this isn't necessarily helpful for the country. In fact, it's probably very destructive for the country, particularly right now when we can't just debate issues. We're debating people and we're and we're doing so many labels. There's so much shame and there's so little grace and there's so little forgiveness and there's so little effort to seek to understand people that are different from us. And I don't I don't think that's a conservative problem. I don't think that's a liberal problem. I think that's a human problem that has gotten to a point where it is unsustainable. In addition to the fact that I, I started realizing that this is problematic for the country and for our way of life, I also saw it's, it's just not sustainable for businesses. And every solution that I see in the marketplace is trying to work on the brand safety issue. You've got you know, things like keyword blocking and, and everybody wants AI to solve their problems. It's not going to do it. AI is not ready to solve this problem. Sure. So what happens is, you know, you have somebody that can't advertise on a major news network or any of their websites because it has the word shot in an article. And yet when they're talking about shot in an article, a lot of times this is because they're covering a basketball game and brands <laughs> don't get that right. Like there's no nuance. The robots are not doing nuance yet. Will they get there? Probably, but it's not where we're at, right? And so every solution that we saw that is out there is really about reduction. It's about avoidance. And at that's the better version. That's just for brands that are trying to be mindful. Where it gets even worse is when it becomes part of the shame cycle that we're in as a country. And it's really about somebody accused somebody else of being a certain way. And so you've got to distance yourself from that individual. And so you have organizations that are incentivized simply to call out others and not look for context, not try to hear what they really mean, not confront it, not follow any type of due process. They're there to shake you down as a marketer until you retreat from supporting this program or else I'm going to do something that harms your reputation in the marketplace. And that's really problematic too. So I didn't see anything that was helpful. And what we really you know, wanted to do was have a solution that would work for our clients. And as we started to move toward, what does that actually look like? Which I'm gonna to describe to you. But as we started to move towards what that actually looks like, we, we found that it's an industry-wide problem that's going to require an industry-wide solution to be even more effective. We've got some tools now that can help a business reduce their risk when they advertise. Um, and look, I, I don't want to quote a specific number, but we can drastically reduce the risk. But I think, there, I think if we reduce it to that only, if it's only about risk avoidance, we're not really doing our jobs here. I think we're just phoning it in. I think we're all being, you know, we're being scared. And I don't want to just operate out of fear. I want to also move the needle in a positive direction. So the whole point of the media roundtable is to say things are coming apart here. Nobody's listening to each other and everybody's defensive and accusatory. And so rather than 
piling onto that problem, we're going to point up. We're going to find a way to measure content using human judgment, knowing that it's not going to be perfect, but knowing that it's going to be better. We're going to measure content based on bias and reliability. And we're going to say, let's reward good actors. Let's move the carrot. Let's have the money follow good journalism. Let's advance truth and civility. And yeah, in, in the course of doing that, you're going to find out where there's bad acting going on. But this isn't about calling out bad actors. This is about showing what good looks like. And if we can show that it's profitable and that brands can support good acting, other people are going to follow suit. We're going to raise the bar. So this is about having a vision to do better as an industry. This is about having a strong fourth estate. You know, the beauty of journalism in America is that its job is to hold power to account. But when you've got media that is fragmented but along party lines and there's blue media and there's red media and you can only uh, promote uh, accountability on one side of the aisle, you really don't have accountability at all. It's kind of worthless. And, uh, and so, so we want to have some, uh, a set of values that we can all agree on. And we've defined those at MediaRoundtable.com. We can, you know, you can see what our, our six values are and how we've defined those things like clarity, truth, fairness, respect, de-escalation, and tolerance. And we don't just mean those as puffery. We actually have definitions that are kind of like SMART goals. They're pretty specific and pretty measurable most of them. And we want specific things to happen. We want consumers to know whether the thing that they are consuming, is it opinion or is it news? And if it's news, there should be some journalistic standards. You should get a perspective from both sides. You should let people answer for themselves. So much of what happens is it's just a bunch of opinion and, and um, people don't really check the facts unless they're on the other side of the aisle. So nobody trusts it. And when you don't trust the institution of journalism, our trust in every other institution falls apart as well. If you look at the Edelman Trust Barometer that came out a couple of months ago, it was staggering. Mm -hmm. Nobody trusts the government. Nobody trusts the government, that's not new, but trust for media has never been lower. And trust in business has never been higher. And the irony about all that is, who is it that sponsors the media? It's business, right? Business owns it. Business is supported through ad dollars. And so what we don't want to have happen is that all the, all the free journalism that you can get is hidden behind a paywall and only available to the people that can afford it. And everybody else who can't afford to pay subscriptions for really good journalism is getting junk news. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to do is walk this thing back. We're trying to align on values and propose a process that advertisers can use to incentivize truth and civility. And by doing that, their brands are going to be better. They're going to have a stronger business. They're going to have more trust. And you know what? The places that they're advertising are going to become more trusted. And so it's an ambitious vision. But I can tell you one thing. I haven't heard a better idea yet. And... You know, look, I got a lot to do in the day uh, with an ad agency. It's a service business. It takes a lot of time. This is um, this is uh, it's a labor of love, but it's it, it's 
it's very necessary and we've got to start somewhere. And so, so this is what we're doing. Here's where we're at today. We've launched this initiative called the Media Roundtable. We've started getting some, some great interest in the last few weeks. Variety ran a piece on what we're doing. Uh, a lot of the uh, business news networks were just on Cheddar TV today and Yahoo Finance and uh, Media Posts. A lot of publications um, have been picking this up. And, and I think that people are intrigued with the effort. But let me, let me tell you what's really important. Martin, what you're doing is really important because you're providing a service to an audience, to an international audience. And you're talking to people that are in the business community that are trying to do well and do good. And I need help. I need help from you. I need help from your audience. We need people to get on board with this thing. And so, so let's talk about how that works. First of all, we have a podcast that is... We relaunched, we're with Podcast One, and it's called Media Roundtable. So if you go on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen, wherever you're listening to this right now, look for Media Roundtable, and we want you to, we want you to listen. We want your feedback. We want to know how we can do better. But the podcast is where it's our incubator. It's our lab. This is where we test ideas. This is where we go deep and really pull these things apart. I mean, we had... Uh, it was really interesting. Two weeks this year in a row, we had somebody who covered um, five presidential elections for Fox News. We had Carl Cameron, and he was the uh, chief White House correspondent on the election trail. Uh, he was there for like 20 years. The next week, we had Frank Sesno. He was Washington bureau chief for CNN for 20 years. Getting their perspectives is incredible, and it helped inform some of the values that we have here. What does journalism really mean? What, what should that look like? And how do you know good from bad? What does it look like when you're doing opinion journalism versus regular journalism? So anyway, if you're into this issue, the podcast is a great way to engage, and we want you to engage with us. We want to hear what you have to say. We want you to be a part of this cause. But the main hub for everything that we're doing is at MediaRoundtable.com. Now, when you go to MediaRoundtable.com, we're going to show you a few different things. We're going we're gonna to walk you through. We're going to lay out all of our values. And when I say we're going to, it's there. So you go to MediaRoundtable.com. You learn about our values. Then we have resources for you because the point is, how do you actually live these things out? It's nice to sign our pledge. We do have a pledge. And we'd like advertisers to sign it to say that we support these values. And we're committed to taking these values and trying to incorporate them into how we do ad planning. But there's, there's other things that happen. You know, we're talking about brand safety. You can't have brand safety 100% of the time. There's always going to be something. You know, you could be on the, the most brand safe program in the world, and there's a personal conduct issue that happens with somebody who's on staff there. You just don't know what's going to happen. Now, people talk a lot about cancel culture. A lot of people call it accountability. Our position is that a lot of content should be canceled. Uh, there should be accountability. Not everything. And one of the things that's missing right now is due process. We, we have a lot of mob justice and a lot of assumptions being made. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we're doing is saying, okay, what do you do when you get into trouble? Now we have some best practices that brands can take advantage of, and we're happy to provide free resources and free advice to do that. Uh, but for example, another thing that we've done is 
we have partnered with the Cambridge Negotiation Institute. So here's what that means. If let's say you've got uh, an advertiser on your podcast that's been with you for 10 years, and then all of a sudden Twitter catches fire tomorrow and starts saying that you're this, you're that, right? Normally what they want to do is they want to go get me out of there. And then they make a statement, they denounce you and everything that you've ever stood for. They say, we got nothing to do with, you know, we, we never knew him. So what we're saying is take a breath, pull out, uh, hit, hit pause. Uh-huh. Don't make any big decisions. Let's have a conversation. And if that conversation might be complex because you have stakeholders to care about, your board's going to have opinions, your employees are going to have opinions, your customers are going to have opinions, and you don't want to discount those people because you're having to respond in real time with a permanent decision about a relationship that you've had in place. Well, you know, we can help facilitate some of that through our ad agency, Oxford Road, but most people don't work with Oxford Road. So we, we try to give you some best practices so that you can do these things. But if you're really in a jam, you can work with the Cambridge Negotiation Institute and they have Harvard professionals who can mediate a solution, take inventory of what the needs of your stakeholders are, help make sure you've got all the facts about the situation and orchestrate a, a, a great solution that best serves all your stakeholders. Because sometimes that means you need to discontinue a relationship. Sometimes it means you need to terminate a relationship temporarily. Sometimes that means you just need a little more information about what was really meant. There's a lot of different ways to solve a controversy problem. And we don't believe there's a one size fits all. So that's the type of resource that we have there. The other thing that I think is really compelling for people is in addition to some of the other partnerships, we have a partnership with the National Institute for Civil Discourse, which is a bipartisan group originally founded with Bill Clinton and uh, George Bush Sr. Um, But in addition to that, AdFontes Media is very, very interesting because what they rate the news. They have a chart and on the y-axis, it's reliability. And on the x-axis, it's political bias. So When you're planning what media you're going to sponsor, this is the first tool that's really been out there effectively to be able to say, here's how we define our business and our values. And we just want to match ourselves with media that overlaps with that. That's not something you can get with Nielsen. That's not something that you can get with most of the media buying and planning tools that are out there. So they've launched a product called Ad Apex. And something that we were able to do as part of this effort is we said, you know, we got together with, with their team and said, listen, the podcast landscape is a wild, wild west. There's a million of these things, two million. And uh, people need some clarity here. So we started with the news genre. And they have created a media bias chart for podcasts in the news genre. According to the Apple charts, there's at least 140 and it's growing all the time. And you can actually, um, you can see some of what they have for free if you go there right now at adfontes.com. Um, but you can also um, subscribe and pay for the full chart, and you can use that as a media planning tool. So you can you can plan ahead to get in front of this stuff and make sure that you are balancing your business objectives with your brand values. That's the tightrope we all have to walk. And then if you get into trouble, if you find yourself in the middle of something, we've got solutions for you. We've got best practices for you. The media roundtable is the thing that I needed for my agency and for my clients, but we've made it available to everybody. For free.
Yeah, I mean, listen, if you if you have to do work with some of the partner organizations, for example, oh, sure, sure, for sure. Yeah, but resources are, are there. The resource is free, absolutely. Yeah, and li- listen, if, if all anybody did was sign the pledge, that's really meaningful. That is free to do because we have to send a message to content creators mm. that there is money on the other side of this thing. Let me tell you, Martin, what we're not waiting for. We are not waiting for media organizations to wake up tomorrow and go, uh, you know what? We've been part of the problem. We're going to change our algorithms. We're not going to talk about the things that get us the best ratings because we don't think that's healthy. And we're not, I think consumers are getting more savvy. I think they're, they're getting more thoughtful, but we don't expect that everybody's going to wake up and tune out of their favorite cable news network uh, simply because it's bad for them. So what we're going to do is we're going to bribe people. And I don't mean that in an illegal way. Yes, I mean, we're, we're going to bait the hook with money <laughs> and huh. say, if you are a creator, if you are a network, you will actually have a better business, a more profitable business because you're doing right by your audience, because you're doing right by your country. And so we're changing the incentive structure. And I think that's the only way this thing will really move. I don't think it's going to be government intervention. I think that's going to, you know, look at Facebook, uh, the way that policies change depending on who's in office. Look at, you know, you can look at the major platforms and see, you know, that things kind of go the the way of the political winds. Um, but that's not necessarily actually going to be a, a solution that helps. We think that aligning with the interests of a business which at their core have to be financial. We think that's going to actually result in the most good for society and the best for their business. What's the awareness level? This is a this is a new conversation, right? I think people started really getting fed up with polarization in 2020, I think we started to really feel the pain. And I think people are being more thoughtful now. Um, You know, I I think that that's starting to permeate, you know, Netflix uh, putting out the social dilemma. I think that was a big moment uh, for kind of exposing how the sausage is made in some of these things. I think it takes something like that, a cultural event to kind of light the, the fire that you know, eventually spreads and where you really see change, right? I think that was a big moment. I think people just, you know, not being able to talk to their family um, over the holidays, because if it wasn't from social distancing, even on a Zoom, uh, because everybody's spitting their talking points that they got from their favorite media channels, and they all have different versions of truth. I think a lot of people are going, this is crazy, right? So, uh, So I think there's a lot of exposure that's happening. I can tell you that specifically in the podcast ecosystem, we've seen some recent coverage come up. New York Times had a piece uh, within the last couple of weeks, identifying some of the um, the the lack of of oversight. You know, we had FCC for a long time governing what was going to actually get distributed to the masses. We don't really have that right now. At least that's not that's not a factor. And so I think there's there's increased awareness about this. I think The Verge had an article about it recently for the podcast industry. And so I think people in the industry are becoming aware that like, look. There's a lot of opportunity for misinformation. There's a a lot of opportunity for polarization. You know, people like to throw around words like misinformation, disinformation, fake news. And I think we need, I think those are important concepts. 
But what I, I hope that people don't miss is that you may not be inventing facts and you may not be reporting everything that you do, but you may be persuading in ways that are intellectually dishonest or not holding yourself to account or holding people that have a different perspective than you to a standard that you don't hold yourself to. So I think there's a real lack of intellectual honesty. And I think that people are becoming more conscious of that. I think as far as the media roundtable, when we launched the media bias chart, that may have been a bit of a shot across the bow. I know that a lot of people in the industry are talking about it and going, hmm, is this something? Where do we rank on this thing? Does it matter? Does anybody care yet? But I'm here to talk about it because it does matter because people do care and, and we need people to care because the path that we're on is not a good one. The path that we're on is not working and we need to change something. And I, I think that you know, this is a hard path, but I, I don't see another one. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Thank you for listening to today's episode 